0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 391 for Monday, April 9th, 2012. (laughs)
1: To the Mac Observer's Mac Geek uh, the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips, we send in our answers, we send in our tips. Well, we don't actually send them in, we, we provide them here, don't we? And together we all learn something new. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
0: Here in Fairfield, Connecticut,
1: John F. Braun. And tomorrow I'm going to be in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, as I mentioned on a couple of previous episodes. Tomorrow, well, I should be clear, tomorrow the 10th, which... You know, depending on when you hear this, maybe yesterday, the 10th or four days ago, the 10th or today, the 10th. Even I'm going to be in Princeton, New Jersey, speaking at PMUG, the uh, Princeton Mac users group, all about home networking. So that should be fun. I get to fly to your favorite
0: airport, John, Philadelphia. (laughs) Uh, The one that I got stuck in year before uh, a year, a year ago, Macworld. Right. Not this Macworld, but the but the one prior. Yes. Yes. They had a horrible ice storm and uh, my plane got grounded. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. I'll take some picture,
1: take some pictures and send them to you so you can Um, you can relive. Is there a particular couch that
0: uh, that you were more uh, fond of than others? I actually uh, uh, lounged in one of the uh, they they have uh, rocking chairs in uh, in in parts of the uh, place. So rather than the hard bench, the rocking chair was probably the best. I mean, the staff was nice. They provided people with blankets nice. and and it's not a bad airport. Um well, you know, other than the sure. fact that it gets shut down at, like, you know, the
1: the mere sight of like wind or something. But,
0: no, this know, this was a bad storm. No, I, I know, mean, but it, Philly,
1: Philly is like shut down all the time. It's like they 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 don't they don't try to like do anything there it's just like oh there might be some weather let's shut it down it's like the one airport nobody nobody connects through so
0: and and i learned that too so this year of course i i I think i transferred in uh, atlanta there you go much (laughs) much less of a chance of having an ice storm in uh, january uh shut it down but no it was all right Uh, the the cool part was the de-icing robots are awesome it's almost like transformers i got some nice pictures of those and they have some nice artwork there and Nice amenities, but uh, yeah, I mean, by the time they shut everything down, there were no hotels, there were no cabs. It, it was just right. sleep in the airport, and it's I like, hope that's like, the first and last time I ever sleep overnight in. And then they redire- they, they misdirected my bag. That was the like, other bonus.
1: Some guy that looks like John Candy could have come up and offered you a ride in his car, and you could have started down a, a,
0: a whole adventure, mm-hmm. just like, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. It was enough of an adventure, especially since I eventually figured out through the magic of my, uh, you know, I had my computer, my clear device, and I actually suggested to them a itinerary that would get me out of there because they pretty much left everybody on their own. And I think I did Philly to Texas, to Arizona, to Oakland. And I'm like, yeah, I found a flight here. Can you book me on this? And they're like, uh, yeah, hold on. And they're like, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, they're probably losing money on the whole thing. But it's like I, I told. Uh, uh, so the strategy is rather than you waiting on the phone and you hoping that they're going to find an itinerary, you, you should. If you have Internet connectivity, you should be able to, to find your own. And I did. And it worked out. But again, my my bag uh, didn't make it.
1: Flight track pro. Right. Is that the one that I use? I'm, I'm trying to find it on my on my iPhone here. But, um, but if you use TripIt, that can find alternate flights and yeah, flight track (coughs) can also uh, make finding alternate paths there uh, much easier. So yeah. So seven o'clock tomorrow night, I will be in, in Princeton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you're there, it'd be great to see you. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive right in here, John. Let's, uh, you, you want me to read this Brad one before you start with it,
0: or are you going to read Brad's thing? Um, I got it right in front of me, so I will Go. I will kick it off. So, Brad writes, My wife gave me her Lion iMac to use in my office. I changed the username and password, but she still says she sees her computer active on the web. The question is, how can I get rid of everything that relates to her account and get rid of her software without reinstalling Lion and Parallels? And this is a multifaceted question here, so I'm going to... Identify one of the facets of what I think is still left over, and uh, and we're, we're going to bounce this back and forth, Dave. Because uh, it sounds like a simple question, but I don't think it is. I think I think it gets quite deep. So here's one thing that I identified or or, or I interpreted. Um, still sees computer active on the web. One place which you may want to look um, where there may be information left over that changing. So first off, I think what 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 happened here is that he went to. Uh, uh, accounts highlighted the account question. And I think there's that field that says full name. So as far as I can tell, what happened is that that value was changed to do, do. Do you think that's what that's, happened here?
1: Uh, I don't know what happened. So I, or I may have to hazard a guess. Yeah, there, there are, there are, uh, there are various things where you need to go and, and look, I, you know what, what it sounds like happened is, is what you're saying that, this person did not uh brad inherited the computer from his wife, but he didn't he kept her user account as opposed to creating a new user account and and I think frankly that would alleviate many though not all of the the potential you know uh problems or or lingering bits of data so yeah, yeah, potentially he just change the the long username as we call it, but of course the short username which is used by the operating system is buried uh, underneath but yeah assuming that he kept the the user account the same and just changed its name then then yeah there's going to be lots
0: of little things to change for right. example so one of the little things that i identified and i think would be left over if you did this so, so i interpreted as seeing computer active on the web that uh that his wife still saw uh that machine accessing uh, websites And a lot of websites will do this, especially financial ones uh, or, or others will identify the last time that they saw a certain uh, account access it. So, so that was one way I interpreted this statement. And here's where you want to look to try uh, to clean up that data is that in Safari. Now, we talked about password managers, but Safari has what I, I guess I call a very basic password manager. And uh, if you go to Safari in the preferences and you go to autofill, there is going to be a number of selections. One of them is username and passwords. And Safari will certainly offer, if you have that box checked, will offer to save username and passwords to websites that you go to. So one one thing I suggested is you want to go to that section of the preferences and then click on edit. And there will be a selection saying remove all. So. It's one of many places where there's data left over that, that, you know, just because you change the username that as far as I know, that data is not going to change. It's going to stay there. So, and actually any of the autofill data you you may want to go to uh, and, and check it out and clear that out. So that was one suggestion I had for a place he'd like to look to clean up. And then you have another one.
1: I do I actually. And, and I might even have a better way of doing that, John, because there's mm-hmm. lots of stuff that Safari is going to keep. And if you just, if you want, if you're if you're maintaining the same user account, um, it, to clean out Safari, the best thing to do is to go to to launch Safari and go to the Safari menu and then choose Reset Safari. And you're gonna you're oh. gonna see I don't know eight or ten checkboxes there, and you probably uh, want to at least look at each one and 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 perhaps check oh. most
0: of them. So that's Brilliant. gonna that's gonna that do. is actually a choice in that dialogue. I just saw it. Remove saved names and passwords is one of the checkboxes in the reset safari which yeah it's reset safari dot 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 and i see one two three four five six seven eight nine uh, ten things there, there okay that 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 is i think a better way to a uh, uh, good call that that's a better way to reset safari to its virgin state yep
1: but um yeah so really though unless you have some very very specific reason that you want to maintain the same user account i would say wipe out the the user account or just create a new one and and start fresh with that one. That's going to make life a lot easier for you. But there's one place that even if you do that, the computer will still appear as active. Now um, that's going to be in, if you go to system preferences and go to sharing at the very top of that, window is computer name now if this was named you know uh brad's wife's computer or whatever her name is uh then that's still going to appear in the finder sidebar and other sharing uh, places on on other machines that appear on that same network so changing the name there does in fact make things a little bit easier uh to delineate what computer is where and that might be what she's talking about you know she might be seeing that in like the finder sidebar but i yeah i would um So I'm trying to think if, uh, you know, taking kind of taking Brad uh, Brad's specific case out of this, as we're looking at a computer, you know, there's a lot of opportunities where many of us repurpose computers uh, for other family members. So, you know, um, privacy and and security and even deleting apps and licensing and all that, those concerns uh, apply less than they would if you were repurposing it to sell say to you know either even a friend or 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 someone you don't know on on eBay or Craigslist or whatever so uh you know certainly changing the computer name when doing that uh you may not want to wipe out all your applications uh but uh and that that makes good sense but um but that that would be one place um the the other the other place would again I I'll say it create a new account for yourself um Depending on what you're doing, you might want to archive your time machine backups and uh, and by archive. I mean, take the the backup and save it off and then start a new one so that you've got a time machine backup that sort of is frozen in time from when your wife stopped using the computer. And then you've got one uh, from from when you started. That would be uh, another thing I'm trying to think off the top of my head of any other places where you'd want to go and and tweak settings mail uh, would be yet another one. You, you probably don't want to have your wife's email, uh, coming on your computer. And so again, if you've got a backup set, uh, off to the side, then, then you can just go into mail and accounts and remove all of her accounts from there and then add yours in. Um, I'm trying to think other place. Well, iCloud or mobile me, depending on what operating system you're using and how you're doing it. But, uh, but uh, you know, log her out of that. Um, and then log you in.
0: That goes- that's actually, uh, but that's actually in the accounts uh, dialogue as well. Mm. So, in addition to full name, which you can change, you can change the mobile me username associated with the admin account.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't change it for the. Uh, that changes it for like log in and find mm-hmm. my and and back to my Mac. But that I don't think that changes it for the the. The like the syncing and all that. In order to change it there, you have to go into either the, the iCloud or if you're still using it, the Mobile Me preference pane, and and also change it there. The two are not uh, the same. If I'm if I'm, I, I I don't think I'm mistaken on that one. I think it's, I think it. You can have one account in one place and another in another, and it the system's okay with that. So, any other stuff or are we good on Brad? If you, folks, if you folks come up with anything, let us know.
0: I think we're as good as we can be. So, so w- would it be safe to say that creating a new account is, is probably a good place to start in in, in a case like this? I, I've said it twice. I'll, yeah, I'll agree again. So Absolutely. say it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. create a new account. That's the easiest way. So, so trying to repurpose the old account by just changing the name of it is uh, you're, you're going to have a lot of cruft uh, yeah. come over. Yeah. But if you create the new account, then you shouldn't lose any of the... the the apps that are already installed. And I think that that's the goal here is to benefit from the software that was already purchased and installed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right. Going on to Austin, not the town of Austin. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the person Austin writes, hi, Dave and John. I have a first gen iPad with iOS five. I have seen all the commercials and YouTube videos that have iDevices with iOS 5 on them. And in Notification Center, they have Yahoo widgets for weather and stock. However, my iPad does not have them. I've watched various YouTube videos and have not found a solution. Can you help? Okay, so uh, what Austin's talking about here is... uh, if you by default, if you swipe down into the notification center, which is the uh, the swiping down from the menu bar there in iOS five, you will see uh, the weather for your current location, and you'll see uh, a little stock ticker, and those are uh, as as Austin said, little widgets that uh, can be put into notification center, but and and they're called weather widget and i believe stock widget yeah here's the thing they only work on the iphone and ipod touch they there are no widgets whether or stock or otherwise available for the ipad so uh so that's why you're not able to do it it has nothing to do with what model ipad you have uh those of us with the new ipad threes or whatever you want to call the third gen ipad uh i can't do it either so, uh, but, if you are on an iPhone and again, this now doesn't help Austin, but uh may help the rest of you uh you can manage this by going into settings, notifications, and then you'll see uh you can sort apps manually or by time, and then below that, you've got in notification center, and it lists all of the apps and widgets that are configured to be in notification center. And if you scroll through that list at the bottom of that, you'll see the end of the list and then the start of a new list labeled not in notification center. So if you want your weather widget to be removed from notification center, you can move it down below into that second list. And you do that by hitting the edit button and then you get little uh, sliders where you can grab the various apps and move them down. So you can rearrange your apps that way and you can also choose what's gonna appear in notification center and what isn't so yeah unfortunately there are no weather or stock widgets for the ipad i'm not i'm actually not sure why but uh but that's the way it is so uh so you're not you're not missing anything that the rest of us have austin you're missing everything that the rest of us don't have if that makes sense (laughs) so you're in good company perhaps that's the right way to say it okay uh, all right, uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the phones.
2: Hey, John and Dave, Brad from West Michigan, got a bit of a problem here. I'm hoping you can help me out with. It's kind of an odd one. Uh, I use a piece of software called Paragon HFS Plus for Windows, and it allows me to view my Mac drives uh, on my Windows Seven machine. Um. What's going on here is if I format an external hard drive uh in my from my Mac as a uh, you know Mac extended journal um GUID partition scheme drive stick it over on the Windows 7 PC it works great. I can see it, I can read, I can write to it the whole nine yards. But I cannot get a flash drive to do the same. I format uh let's say an 8 gig flash drive um, the same way that I do my external hard drive, and I bring it on over to the Windows PC and it won't mount it. I go into Disk Manager, and oddly enough, the drive shows up as a 200 meg EFI, healthy, I believe. The rest of it shows as basically a FAT32. It says FAT32, and then there's like 120 some meg of unallocated space uh, at the end of the drive. It's just really odd. I just don't understand what my Mac is doing differently to these thumb drives than it would be to these external drives. Um, I have tried connecting them, like my connecting my external drive via FireWire or USB. Uh, it works in both instances. Uh, my thumb drives, I've tried three different thumb drives. They all have the same results. None of them will work um, at all. My Mac can read the thumb drives fine and, and, and plays nice with them, but bringing them over to my Windows 7 machine, um, just can't handle them. The only other thing that I have tried is I, have, I installed a, a, a Mac OS 10 server, I think it was Snow Leopard server, as a virtual machine on my Mac, and I tried the same, um, the same, the same things with formatting a flash drive and formatting a hard drive, and again with the same results. Flash drives no go, external hard drives work fine. Um, so any suggestions or help you can give me, this one's got me baffled. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.
1: Thanks, Brad. All right, John. Let me let me set this up for you just a little bit here uh, to confirm. I checked out Paragon Software's website, and mm-hmm. sure enough, HFS Plus for Windows 9 will uh, at least uh, reportedly support. USB devices. So uh, I, I would assume that means flash drives. Um, so uh, off you go.
0: You set it up. I'm going to knock them down. Okay. <laughs> I think I know what's happening here, Dave. And, and okay. I think the important part here is we want to make a distinction between two different parameters that can be applied to any storage device. And that is the partition map scheme. And then the format um, of the partition. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I actually tried this. And the thing is, so for the most part, now I have, you know, due to trade shows, as you probably do, I have a, a bucket of USB drives. And for the most part, every one that I've gotten, I think for good reason, is Comes with a partition map scheme, which is master boot record, right? And which is which is the default on the Windows side, correct? And the thing is, for the uh, uh, the Mac has no problem reading USB drives, and and I think that's why people do it is because it can bop between uh, as long as you're running a modern operating system, it can be read by both Macs. PCs and 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 unix machines you sure. know, almost any machine can understand that partition map scheme what i think's happening here is that we're getting a combination of a drive that has a partition map scheme that is master boot record but has as the format mac os extended And I think that's where I I believe, and we should check with them, and I'm sure they'll get back to us on this, but I believe what's happening is that the software is getting confused because it's seeing a weird mix, and that it's seeing Master Boot Record and macOS Extended. So to be clear again, we want to differentiate. You have a partition map scheme. And how do you get to that? Well, when you highlight, so in this utility, you're going to see typically two levels of uh, granularity. You're going to see the device itself. And if you click on partition, and actually, if you want to change it, and I actually did this with one of my flash drives. So I stuck it in. It showed up as a, you know, 16 gigabyte, blah, 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 whatever. I then went to the partition tab. Right. And then I clicked, uh... And actually I clicked and uh, changed it. So so it'll say volume scheme current, and then you can click on that. And so I did the very simplest thing, which I said, okay, well, create one partition. Basically I, and you know, of course this will destroy all the data. And then there's an options button below that. And if you click on the options button, that will show you the three different uh, partition schemes. And the one that I put in there came up as master boot record and then it offered GUID and then the other one is um, Apple uh, file system Apple file system which is the one that is more, more appropriate for I believe Motorola Max but GUID is, is what you should be using for Intel based Max so I think what you want to try to do is first repartition as GUID then once that happens then go to the, the drive that's been created and then click on erase and when you click on erase you're then going to be asked for the format
1: yeah, I'll buy that. So, so you think it's so, a it's a mismatch in the uh, partition map versus the partition type and uh, partition format, and and though the Mac is fine with it, you think that there's something about Paragon's utility that gets tripped up by it, and, and that's a that's a I mean that that makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and as far as I saw, it was funny because when I repartitioned as GUid, the format was still emastos. So so the thing is these are two independent values which you can have. As far as I can see you can mix and match them any way you want. You can have whatever valid part- partition scheme is offered by disutility along with any format. And you know, let's be clear these are two distinct values, but I think you can mix and match them and uh, so what I'm thinking is paragon is seeing a combination that doesn't really make sense and so it's not dealing with it properly well once i and, and once i took my flash drive so i was able to re partition it as GUID and then reformat it as hfs and it shows up as that now before it showed up as fat 32 and master boot record and that was fine or fat 16 i don't know if it's fat 16 or fat 32 What one or the other
1: yeah so so that actually it, 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 this this makes sense but but this makes me ask the question why would you all these flash drives like you said come formatted uh, with uh, fat either fat thirty-two or or fat sixteen or what you know whatever works
0: for the drive, and master boot record and master and they, boot they, record they, and they seem to work fine on the Mac. Yeah, you can read, you can write, everything's great.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so the, my question would be, the drives aren't big enough, at least not yet, where size of blocks and all that stuff really matters. Why would one want to change the format of their flash drive to HFS plus knowing full well that that now makes it a less usable drive in terms of being portable to you know take files back and forth to windows machines and and that sort of thing I, I just i've never i've never found a compelling reason to reformat my flash drives as anything other than fat
0: i mean the only thing i've seen is that i believe if you're if you're set up as master boot record and fat i believe the only limitation is naming of the volume well is and you you're can't, somewhat limited and you can't boot from it right 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 because mac won't boot from it but i think you're, you're limited uh i forget how many characters but you're limited in how long and what characters you can use to in the name of the volume i believe is a limitation of just name master of the, boot record and and fat
1: name of the volume i think that's right
0: yeah that makes
1: sense okay
0: okay but other than that yeah i think uh, you can uh, all other operations as far as you know the name of the files and and things like that i so that's my guess is you got a wacky combination here so get you this utility, pop it in there, look at the top level, look at the partition scheme, then click on the drive itself, see what that is, and my guess is that it it's gonna be a odd combination
1: that makes sense that
0: makes sense cool think right. so
1: I, Ooh, yeah good does. okay cool. <laughs> uh all right, our first sponsor for this show is barebones software of course at barebones.com with BB Edit uh, now. BB Edit. I'll give a. I'll give a quick overview, and then we actually got a letter from a listener that I want to read. But uh, but BB Edit is a text editor, and it really is kind of the the end all be all of text editors. You can, if you have any text you need to edit, be it code, uh, you know, you could do C stuff with this. You can do HTML with this, uh, PHP, really any language that that uh, you can think of. They've already thought of it. And uh, and you know it'll do. I've talked about a couple of things here uh, in the past, but but one thing I was doing some PHP the other day, and one thing that's really cool, and, and this would, I'm sure would happen in any language, but you know I defined a variable, uh, and then later on I was I was typing. And I needed to recall that variable. And so I hit dollar sign and I don't know if the variable's name was test, right? I hit dollar sign T and it came up with like a little autocomplete thing. And it said test, you know, and I just hit tab and boom, it, it completed my variable. It'll do that with function names. It'll do that, uh, with PHP. I was actually writing a script using curl. And so there's all these different curl options, curl being a, uh, a, a way of, of, uh, interacting with web pages from within PHP, uh, and and you can use it actually in many different languages but i was using it in php and so there's all these different little curl options you can set well it knew about all of them so as i type curl underscore it gave me a laundry list of stuff and i could just pick from it and say oh yeah that's it and I, now i know exactly how to format it and and all of that so it really it's it's quite something uh, and i do i want to take a uh a, a minute to read a note from listener chris he says I was thinking it would be cool to add value to the marketing of BBEdit by having a different BBEdit cool tip each episode as a part of the ad itself. When you run out of tip ideas, perhaps you could solicit listener BBEdit tips. So consider the solicitation window open. Uh, Happy to take this stuff in. And Chris says, uh, for example, I just thought of this one. When you want to populate the lyrics of an iTunes tracks metadata, Often you turn to a Google search to find the lyrics first. If you've ever done this, you may have noticed that the more popular sites tend to do just about everything they can to prevent you from copying and pasting. However, with Safari's debug menu enabled, you can right-click on the lyrics and choose Inspect Element, a super useful web development tool, or simply view the source code and copy and paste the HTML into BBEdit. Then in BBEdit, select All, Markup, in the Markup menu, go to uh, tidy and then say uh, convert html to text this will remove all the html markup leaving you just the lyrics there, ready to copy and paste into itunes i mentioned the inspect element uh, approach because you can more quickly drill in on the parent element of the lyrics section then right click on that element and choose copy as html plus it's relatively easy to find the lyrics surrounding uh, element because safari highlights the selected html with a blue overlay Awesome. Thanks, Chris. And, uh, and yeah, BB edit makes it easy. If you've got a block of HTML, it could, it could be lyrics. It could really be anything, but, uh, but you want to strip the HTML out of that's yet another use for BB edit. So, uh, BB edit from barebones software, you can check it all out and get a free trial at uh, barebones.com. But, uh, but it's only 50 bucks. It's uh, actually, it's forty nine ninety nine to buy and you can buy it on the Mac app store as well if you like. So, uh, So really go, you know, go check it out, get the, get the free trial and and you're good to go. Were you, were you just coughing, John, or did you have something to to add? Sorry. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, BB edit uh, from barebones.com. And with that, uh, John, you ready to read Rob's comment here?
0: You know, you think I wasn't, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here we go. And yes, my own style here. Hi, Pilot Pete, Dave, and John. Oh, that makes me sad. (laughs) From Rob. (laughs) I'm going to assess about this. Hey, you let me read, and this is what you get, Dave, all right? I know. Hey, it's good. So here we go. This is an interesting one. I think we're going to toss this around. So my roommate has got a new MacBook Pro and wants to use the hybrid HDD she had in her old MacBook Pro in the new MacBook Pro. Simple enough, I think. Here are the specs for the new and the old MacBook Pro and the HDDs. I don't think I need to read these. By HDDs, you mean hard disks. Hard disk drive. That's right. Okay, which even though it's the hard, uh, this is a hybrid drive, well, we'll call it a hard disk drive. So yeah, HDD is shorthand for hard disk drive. Well, now we're also so all systems are running uh, OS X Lion 10.7.3. The old MacBook is a mid-2009 2.66 gigahertz dual core with the Seagate Momentum x t hybrid 500 gig drive. Uh, the new MacBook Pro is a late 2011 2.4 gigahertz uh, i7 with four gigabytes with a Toshiba MK blah, blah, blah. Uh, drive. The problem is that when we install the hybrid HDD in the new MacBook Pro, we get three beep tones when we try to install OS X Lion on the new hard disk drive. The hybrid HDD is formatted to Mac OS X journaled, connected to a Mac Mini via USB. When we try to install Snow Leopard on the hybrid HDD, we get a no access sign, uh, which you know we've probably all seen, which is a symbol with a line through it. Which is bad. We have upgraded the firmware of the hard drive from SD26 to SD28, which I confirmed is the latest version. Uh, but this has no effect in the new MacBook Pro. We hope you guys have a solution for us to get the hybrid HDD working in the new MacBook Pro. This is from Norway. Oh, that's cool. All right. Didn't know we had listeners far and wide, yeah. even in Norway. Yeah. So. Uh, my first reflection here, Dave, is uh, now. The, now the thing that concerned me here was the mention of three beeps. Now, I'm going to go with. Well, I don't know. You know, now reading this, I'm not sure if this is what's happening. But here, but the welcome is, to my world. You know, I th- It's it's funny because as I read it over, I wasn't sure if uh, yep, if your
1: previously thought of a solution is the right one. It happens to me all the
0: time. Or what like, I found, but uh, here's the thing. Talk about is the, yeah, that. Yeah, talk about the three beeps. Go. Well, the three beeps, so what happens is that the Mac, like almost any computer, performs what is known as a post or power-on self-test, which just checks out the hardware and just makes sure that everything's in in at least a good enough state where the machine can try to start up. Now, hearing this statement, three beeps, there is an article here, which we will, of course, link to, which if you try to start up your Mac and you hear three beeps, um... What this means, uh, based on this article here from Apple, is that the machine could not find any good banks of memory. That's bad. okay and and most of most of these beep codes here actually I'm looking at this, so so you can get one to five beeps. So if you start up your Mac and you hear any number of beeps, it could either mean no RAM, incompatible RAM, no good banks. No good boot image in the boot ROM, which, yeah, that's that's bad, too. Or processor is not usable if you get five beeps, which is like, whoa. So I'm trying to think why trying to plug this drive in, because, I mean, it, it is a SATA drive. I mean, it, it should be. And looking at this model of Mac, I mean, I looked at this and this the, the the newer Mac to install the hard drive. It looks like what you have to do is you have to. Take the screws out of the lower cover, so it's not one of the Macs where you can just pull off the, uh, the you know the access door for the battery and replace the hard drive. That 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 was nice when they did that. But this Mac, if you pull off all the screws on the bottom and you pull up the cover, it looks like the hard drive is directly accessible, and you should just be able to pull it out and put in the new one. So I'm kind of scratching my head here, why you would get uh, uh, the the three beep RAM error putting in the new one, other than you may have. Uh, I mean, looking at this RAM on this machine, I mean, it's kind of hard to get to. I don't know if, I mean, I'm hoping something get zapped or something got, you know, missed, uh, you know, knocked, knocked out. I mean, I don't know if you want to reseat the RAM here. I mean, that that was one of my thoughts, but reading this again, uh, I mean, uh, I'll toss it to you, my my esteemed colleague. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three beeps. I mean, what does three beeps mean? I mean, to me, three beeps, uh, w- what outside of a power on self-test well, it depends Panic. on
1: it depends on when these three beeps are happening. If they're happening, you know, if you if you shut down the machine, you uh, replace the drive and then started it back up and immediately you get the three beeps. Then, yeah, that's part of the power on self-test. And it means, like you said, no RAM or bad RAM. Now, that could have been that you uh, unseated the RAM while you were mm-hmm. digging in there or, like John said, you could have fried something. But. If you've gotten it to power up to the Lion, you know, startup DVD or actually there is no Lion startup DVD. So if you've got a uh, maybe a a USB drive to boot from, I don't don't know how you're trying to install Lion. But if it's able to boot from something, then it gets a little more curious. Uh, So so that's you know, that's um, that that's. That That's where we scratch our heads. Now, as far as not being able to install Snow Leopard on the hybrid, if it already has Lion on it, then, yeah, you're not going to be able to install Snow Leopard as a normal install. You'd have to do an erase and install because Snow Leopard doesn't uh, downgrade from Lion. That And that makes sense. But uh, but if the if the three beeps are happening as the Lion installer is running, that's really weird that. Um, and and i 'm guessing that 's not what you 're telling us here, but it is possible that that's what's, that's what 's happening so uh in that case, I would uh, run disk utility first and format the drive. Now you, obviously you need to make sure you have a backup of whatever data was on there but uh, but if if that 's actually happening from within the installer, you can go and uh, and run disk utility, and then from there, you just wipe the the, the drive clean. And now, start from scratch with a fresh install of lion that that 's where I would go with this and and that you know if if it is something wacky about what was the data or the installation that was previously on the drive that 's going to go ahead and wipe it all out and and let you start from scratch so that that those are my thoughts on that i, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that we have any, any more to go uh, on this one, but that's well the that's only other the thought other.
0: I would have is and it kind of relates to the the flash drive thing, but i I would just make double sure that the hybrid drive is partitioned and formatted in the right format here. I'm wondering if the newer machine is more sensitive to to that sort of mismatch. So just yeah, make sure it's good and it's uh HFS plus. Uh, you know, the other thought is, I mean, this would eliminate a problem with, you know, like what we suspected zapping the machine is maybe putting this drive. If you do have one and if you don't have one, you may want to get one. Uh, maybe putting that drive in an external enclosure and see if you can install the OS on that. Huh? But, uh, to me, what that would eliminate is a problem with the hardware, uh, some flakiness in the hardware in the machine itself. I mean, you certainly should be able to do that. If you boot from a DVD uh, or, you know, line installer, you should be able to install to a FireWire or USB drive that's connected to that machine. So that's the other thought I have. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, well. We'll have to, we'll have to wait to see and hear back. Yeah, you know, I I want to try one of these. I I think I'm going to approach. Um, I don't know if I'm want to lay out the cash here, being a cheapskate, or uh, approach a uh, Seagate and say, you know what, you you should, you know, because we just got done with, you know, I I review the uh, Samsung, right uh 470 series SSD which uh yeah i'd be, know, curi- I'd be is curious a screamer i mean it's a screamer though though for my taste it's it's a bit uh pricey and i don't think uh i thought you
1: had already checked out one of these momentous drives no
0: i hadn't i have ah. been considering it so okay. so i i've checked it so i checked out the the you know the 470 series excellent drive you know smoking fast even though my macbook pro is only sata 1 you know it's crippled sure. i tried in the mini and oh boy oh boy i mean it, it screamed uh, because uh, also I bought the mini with like you know the 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 bargain basement Toshiba drive that Apple offers, right. and uh, it was like night and day. So it uh, definitely made the mini a, a screamer. But um, but no, I want to try them because I, I've I've heard isolated reports of people having issues, and maybe it's due to this old firmware with the Momentus, Momentus XT. And actually, I did check Dave. So you and I had uh, been wondering about the uh, the RAM in this drive, and and I confirmed that the RAM in this is in fact flash memory that's right the the, the big ram buffer yeah i I thought it may have been static but it's not no i looked at the specs for the drive the other thing i was thinking here is that uh, to wrap this up is that i looked at the power requirements for this drive and as far as i can tell the power requirements for this drive uh, i I think i saw it it, the wattage that it drew because i was thinking i wonder if this drive is drawing too much juice and causing some trauma for this machine that's being put into sure but this drive doesn't really draw too much, too many more watts than your standard. You know, I think it was around two watts or something like that. But I looked at the spec sheet and it didn't seem to be out of line with what a regular rotational hard drive would draw. So. OK. All right. But well, the beeps, beeps are beeps, are, beeps bad. are weird. Yeah.
1: All right. So um, we we obviously uh, two weeks ago, if I'm doing my math right, uh, we did uh, kind of a big focus on backups. And uh, as we promised, uh, uh, we are we've now consolidated all of your feedback from that. And uh, and we'll run through that and pretty much probably use that to wrap up the rest of the time that we've got for today's show. Um, So we will we will start some of the stuff is just backups in general. uh, And then some of it, of course, is is some clarification questions that we had uh, that we wanted to readdress from the uh, from the specific episode that we did. So we'll start with Mark, uh, who has a very generic question uh, about backups. He says, I'm a longtime listener with a problem that I'm hoping you can help me with. Our church recently had a break-in and all our computers were stolen. None of them had backups. Knowing that I'm somewhat of a geek, my pastor asked me for some help. The insurance company responded quickly and all the computers were replaced with new Macs. Though no one had backups, there were several individuals had iPhones or iPads with more or less updated contact lists, address books, etc. The issue is, of course... That I don't know of a way to restore the information on these new computers. Hooking up the iDevices to the computers would erase the data. Other than manually copying over the information, is there any way to get the information from these devices onto our new computers? So this is something that we've we've certainly talked about before. Uh, and I see that there's three ways to uh, to to do this. Did we did we answer this question on the show, or did we just prep it earlier, John? It it sure sounds like something that we've we we've gone through very specifically. But um, no, John. Um, maybe hard to tell. Okay, <laughs> uh, so well, we'll run through it anyway. It's 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 good to remember. So the first thing that you can do is you can take an iDevice and connect it to any Mac, and it'll say if it tries to auto sync, it'll say it's got to wipe it out. Don't let it do that. Hit cancel, but leave it connected. And in iTunes, you can go and right click. On the device in kind of the, the the iTunes sidebar there, and choose backup. This will shoot a backup of that device onto your Mac. So that uh, that that's one place to start. So at least as you muck around and try and get data off, if you happen to screw up, you've at least got a backup of this device with all of its data at least that it has on it. Once you've done that, uh, there's a couple things to think about. Number one, if you've been using iCloud, well, that's a very easy way to sync your contacts and that sort of thing back down to your Mac, right? Because you've got, because it's all just up there in the cloud. You don't even have to worry about the device. Just sync your Mac up with iCloud and, and you're good to go. Um, number two would be using a piece of software uh, called PhoneView from Ecamm networks. And of course we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can get a demo, but it is 20 bucks. Uh, well worth it. Whether or not you have this specific problem, folks, phone view is awesome for manipulating data on your iOS devices and getting data off. So you can pull off your contacts and, and things like that. Very, very handy. Uh, and then the other thing, if you've done the backup that we mentioned, you can use something called iPhone Backup Extractor from iPhoneBackupExtractor.com. Uh, that's twenty four ninety five, so five bucks more. But it does things similar to Phone View, but in a different way because you're manipulating the data from your backup, and you can pull things off of that. So, uh, so those would be those would be kind of my places to start with those. Uh, and it's, you know, th- th- there is an endless supply of very interesting backup related questions, and, and I thought this was a good one to start with. Any, any thoughts, John, before we move on to Andrew? No. All right, then. Well, then we'll move to Andrew. <laughs> uh, Andrew writes, I have a late 2006 17-inch MacBook Pro, which died recently due to a failed motherboard. I don't have the money to replace it just yet, so I needed another Mac to keep me going in the interim. Luckily, I have a mid-2011 17-inch MacBook Pro uh, from my employer that I use for work. My backup strategy includes Time Machine, A monthly uh, clone backup uh, and a Dropbox account, which is synced uh, with all of my important documents and projects, not including iTunes and iPhoto libraries at the time of failure. My time machine and carbon copy cloner backups were about three weeks and one week old, respectively. As I needed to work on some stuff quickly and didn't have time to pull apart my broken laptop, my initial course of action was to create a second account on my company machine, hook it up to my Dropbox account. This worked fine and quickly gave me access to my current data set. Smart, right? We talked about that in the backup episode, right, John? You, you know, part of this is saving time and, and the Dropbox syncing is a great way if you've got your documents out there. It's a great way to get right back up and running.
0: Sugar sync works, well, you know, same And way. not only that, but as we talked about single point of failure do not have any of your important and he said it's important don't have it in just one place and i think dropbox is an excellent solution for that sort of situation Mm -hmm.
1: uh he says uh it was around a week before i had time to remove the hard drive from my old machine but by this time i had changed a large number of files so the only thing that i could think of was to manually copy the missing bits of data itunes iphoto etc not included in my dropbox backup to my new user account smart Uh, Now I know that just because my new user is the same name as the old account on my old machine, it doesn't mean anything from a permissions perspective. Also, the fact that uh, the account on my company machine was the second account to be created rather than the first on my old machine can also cause permission problems. Very smart. Uh, But in my position now uh, that I have everything working fine, I have all the data on my company machine. I have a couple of questions. Number one, in a perfect world, despite my admittedly very messy recovery path. Hey, that's not messy. Um, it it's it's, you know, you've got to get back up and running and then worry about kind of long term. So I, I think this is this is not un It may be messy, but it's certainly not uncommon. So he says, uh, I'd like to retain the time machine history from my old machine as part of a new time machine backup of my company machine. Despite closely following uh, instructions that we will post in the thing, he says, I can get the first dialogue, which offers to let me use the old disk, but I'm unable to actually get it to work. Number two, uh, the data on my company machine now comes from two sources, my Dropbox backup and the stuff I copied from my old hard drive. Everything works, so there are no massive issues. But when I want to access data that has come from my old hard drive, I get prompted to enter my account password. I know why this has happened and accept that my messy recovery caused it, but I'd like to know if there's a way to get to reset permissions on everything under my user folder so I don't get the error and whether doing so would create further problems. Okay. Okay. So uh, for let's let's go to number one here. So with his time machine backup that he wants to preserve, I, I, I really think that you're 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 barking up the wrong tree with that. I, I get that there's that on paper you want to do that, but it I think it's a bad idea for a lot of reasons. Number one, that's your only backup. So, it, you know, you're now doing something that Apple doesn't support or recommend, and you may wind up. Blowing away the one backup that you have of that old machine, right? So I would archive that off and start a new backup uh, because, you know, you're talking about doing a time machine backup. You're, you're not even doing it from a clone of the machine that originally made it. You just you're doing it from a completely different machine that happens to have some of the same user account data in a second user account. It's going to be a train wreck. And most of what you have on the old backup is going to not be uh, relevant. So I think you save that off and start a new time machine backup. I I think it, I I think otherwise you're crazy. Honestly, you're going to, you're going to get yourself into a real world of hurt. It sounds like you disagree. (laughs) I hear you clucking and, uh, and, and huffing over there. So
0: so I was not clucking. I I didn't I have not clucked. All right. Well, during this episode, though I may, but I'm with, no, I'm with you in that, well, on the one hand, when I upgraded, recently did an upgrade to my MacBook, yeah, when I got the new drive, you know what I did, Dave? I did try to force my machine to see the old backup. And and as pointed out, there are ways, though Apple, it seems, makes it more and more difficult. I mean, you got to change UUIDs and GUIDs and, and all of these values that are in hidden files and stuff. And, you know, you, you kind of get the hint that, Apple is really, unless they offer you the option, which sometimes they do, they'll come up and say, hey, you know, I saw an old Time Machine backup. You want me to glom onto this or you want me to start a new one? Uh, One thing that occurs to me is that, you know, if you do go to Time Machine and you right click or control click on it, it, it'll offer you the option browse other Time Machine disks. And I'm wondering if uh, I I think what you were suggesting is you store that old one off somewhere. You should still be able to access it if you need to. But at some point, and we've seen this, both you and I have seen this, like I recently had this happen where my time machine got corrupted, even though it's stored on the Drobo and I trust the Drobo is storing the data properly. Well, you know, I have my doubts, a little tangent here. I actually had my doubts here because I had some media files recently uh, with a VLC update uh, freak out. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, there were old uh, uh, real media files that I wanted to keep and I tried to play them with the recent version of VLC, and they didn't play back properly. I'm like, "Oh no, is my Drobo freaking out?" No. And another weird tangent here. So, so apparently, VL's, the newer VLC is doing some weird things with Real Media files because I actually found uh, a new version of the Real Media player, and it played them back fine. So. That made me happy that my data was not being corrupted. It was the latest VLC update. Apparently, they made some changes to their real media codec, which didn't work with some of the files that I had. But that's good to know.
1: I mean, I realize it's a you know tangent from a tangent, but, but that is actually really good. That's
0: no, good I ran example. into it. That's I was true. freaking out again. I, I was seeing data that, that played with an old application and all of a sudden didn't. Right. I mean, it was coming up with scrambled data in the playback window. And I'm like, wait, what is going on here? Is the data getting corrupted? Because we've heard of isolated cases where the Drobo doesn't necessarily flash the red light when something's going wrong. Yeah. You know, just like any drives, sure. you know, sometimes it happens though. though for the most part, uh, I would say I still trust my Drobo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I trust the Drobo. Uh,
0: I, I have not had any data get destroyed or disappear or anything like that. So, so we're cool. But yeah. So, so with what you're saying, yes. So, Time machine can still look at old backups, but I would say, yes, starting fresh every now and then is is a good thing. Yeah. For, oh, it's for uh, a yeah. time machine, because and especially
1: yeah. especially in a situation like this. I mean, again, you're not even talking about it's not like you restored 100 percent from that time machine backup. And now you want to keep dumping things at it. You're, you're coming from a completely different installation. You just don't want to mix and match that. It's a, I think it's in for a world of hurt. Um, All right. Number two. uh, So, yeah, repairing permissions is an interesting thing. And it's, uh, you know, we all see the repair permissions dialogue in disk utility. But as we discussed, that only repairs permissions for things that have been installed by Apple through Apple's installer and our Apple uh, things. So it's not going to mess with your user permissions. It's not going to mess with any of that. Uh, So there's a couple things you can do. Number one. We'll point you to the article, but you can you can run that uh, terminal based permissions repair utility uh, that exists in line. You have to reboot from the uh, the the recovery partition in order to do it. Uh, But that will that's probably in your case, a great thing to run because that will repair permissions on your user folder. But if your documents are all, uh, you know, mixed and matched permissions, you can just, you know, go to your documents folder and uh, go to Get Info in the Finder. You know, go to the uh, File menu and and choose Get Info, and then change the uh, owner and you know to make sure it's you and read and write. And then hit the uh, the little gear at the bottom and say Apply to Enclosed Items, and that will go through your whole Documents folder and kind of reset everything so that it has at least is owned by the same user and can you can read and write from it. So that. I think, I think that's that's the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. We good to move? Uh, we can't move.
0: Back. We, can't, we can't move backwards. There's no, we, we could, back. but that would just be crazy. That'd okay. Be like back to the future.
1: That's right. So so Chris writes, uh, I just finished listening to your backup session and wondered what you guys do for your MacBook Pros that have had their Super Drives replaced by an SSD. Uh, Following your example, a few months back, I took the plunge and using the kits from OWC, replaced my optical drive with a Mercury Electra 6 gig SSD, plus upgraded my RAM to 8 gigs. Super fast system now on an early uh, 2009 MacBook Pro. My question is about how you arrange your backup when your SSD startup disk is the time machine initializing drive, and yet most of your data is on the old rotational drive. I guess you have to physically choose which folders on which drives you want to backup to time machine. What then do you do about cloning your drive? I kept my prior Lion install on my rotational disk, so I can always start up from that and access the majority of the data should my SSD die. Should you do a separate backup from the old drive, or is there a way in SuperDuper and Carbon Copy Cloner uh, to clone more than just the startup drive? Okay, uh, so to be clear, I actually, I I never did this. Anytime I upgraded to an SSD, I actually replaced the rotational drive. But in my iMac, I have. Uh, an SSD as a boot drive, and then I also have a uh, 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 a rotational drive that I, I you know it's much larger, and I store a bunch of stuff on. So, but but here's the here's the first important thing uh, for your first question: Time Machine will automatically back up all internal drives unless you specifically exclude them, and you would exclude them by going into System Preferences, Time Machine, Options. And uh, and you can choose what you want to exclude there. But but like for me, uh, everything on my boot disk and everything on the internal drive, the internal rotational drive in the iMac uh, all gets backed up as part of one comprehensive time machine backup of that Mac. So in that sense, I think you're going to be okay. Uh, That's in fact, I have one folder on my rotational drive that's called files not backed up. Because there's things that I wind up putting out there, you know, torrent files and this, that, the, other. I just, sometimes I have huge files that I'm moving around and I don't want some time machine backup to trigger and and try to back up some, you know, two gig file that I'm not going to keep and I don't really care about. So that's, um, that's, uh, that, that's one thing, uh, as far as cloning, uh, there are. I would say you want to clone both discs and, and I think you can set up carbon copy cloner. You, you, you just set up two jobs, one to clone one disc and one to clone the other. Uh, you know, you want to preserve your ability to boot your Mac in the event of catastrophic failure. And, uh, and then you want to have a recent enough copy of your work environment. Now, of course you could use Dropbox like we talked about here and, and there's various other things, but I, I think in, in the end, yeah, you want to, you want to clone it all. Clone whatever you would need to get immediately back to work. And, you know, I think Andrew, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, it was Andrew. I think his example is a great one. You know, he got himself right back to work. And then a week later, his when he went and, you know, extracted the stuff from his time machine backup and sort of rebuilt that system that he had. So... uh so think about it from that standpoint. You know, if, if you lost it all right now, what would you want immediately and what would you want within a week? Uh, and and then, you know, whatever you want immediately, clone that or drop box it or both. So there you go. That's that's my story, John. You got anything to uh, to add there? I like your story. That's good.
0: <laughs> that's good. You know, and that I know that I think in general, like we said, you know, you should uh, any driver. or partition you should have a backup strategy for each one yep you should probably put it in multiple places or use a and or use uh, as as we mentioned before a single point of failure uh the important and that's i i guess to me the head scratcher or the the thing is you know what's important to you you know to me yeah. like the os that to me that's unimportant uh well but it is important because you lose well, well time. to me it's 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 a. Uh, 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 yes, but I don't see it as a game changer in the, in the, the, the game of life.
1: Well, yeah, but, but if, if, you if need I to lose, get back,
0: I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But you no, have a second machine. Time, it costs me time, you know, and that's a, actually a very good point. You know, if we're talking redundancy here, you may want to get, now some people may shake their fist uh, at the, at the statement, but you may want to have, I mean, both you and I, Dave, I mean, I have two Macs or at yeah. least two in, in service. I, I see, both my G4 and my G5, uh, you know, my office here. Um, but you may want to also consider as part of a, uh, I'm being serious here. Oh, no, this part is a good a, point. Yeah. As part of a backup plan, you know, what if one of your computers exploded or, you know, the kids dump juice in it or the, you know, the, the gets run over in the driveway or a pet does whatever to it. I, I, I don't care what it is. The thing is at least, I have at least two distinct computers. I have my Mac mini and I have my MacBook pro. So if one machine fails and I've had this happen, especially when I had to send the machine in for service and then I would typically create a backup before I send it off uh, of the contents of one machine onto a drive and the Mac, uh, unlike some other computing platforms tends to be able to tolerate you taking a backup of one machine and putting it in a, Another machine, and you can work with it as long as it 's a recent vintage and you don 't do any radical changes in the os or the uh, you know the hardware yeah. platform and i 've done this you know when I had to send in my Macbook pro the last time for a repair, I backed up the entire drive and then I ran it off of my mini no, until good. until the 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 machine came back so it 's a good opportunity to see not only in terms of data folks but think about redundancy in terms of Maybe you want to or find a a place, depending where you live, that you can maybe rent a computer if terrible things happen. So, you know, do a full clone of whatever machines are important to you. And if something terrible happens, you can rent a machine for a week or two and uh, or borrow a friend's machine and boot off of that drive until things return to normal.
1: Yeah. Now, it's a it's a that's a great. Yeah. There's a, a you know, we talk about single points of failure, have more than one CPU. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Kevin has a comment and a question.
3: Hi, Dave. Hi, John. It's Kevin here from Everton, Alberta, Canada. I just got uh, done listening to your episode on backups. Uh, one of my favorite topics. I was excited to hear you guys do a whole episode on backups. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, I have a comment for you and actually a question so my comment is I really like the idea of doing an image of your drive, uh, like you said Dave, daily um, I use a cool piece of software I'm sure you've probably heard of called ChronoSync and I, I actually image my drive off, um, I actually have a schedule that, that runs I don't remember how often, it could be once an hour or whatever you set it to be and the cool part is that on the drive that it, that it makes your image to, anything that is deleted from that back up, um, it actually puts into an archive folder, uh, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, so if your if your drive is changing or you're adding files, whatever, it will it will actually archive off and just keep a folder clearly labeled archive. Um, so so if you happen to delete something, your uh, um, you know your new your new image is is uh, has all those those deleted files. So I think that's a really cool feature in ChronoSync. Um, my question for you is when you archive, so you were talking about the difference between a backup and an archive, and, um, so when you, when you do a back, or an archive, uh, and you archive off to a hard drive, my question would be, you know, if you're not running that drive a lot, because I do this, well, I'll archive off to a hard drive, and then I don't run that drive for six months or a year. And I don't know if that's a good idea. I've heard you guys talk in the past about hard drives and that it's a good idea to run them every so often and, you know, with uh, magnetic issues with them and stuff like that. So, so I'm just wondering what you actually back up to for your archive and if it's a hard drive, do you recommend uh, running that every once in a while? And if so, how often? Uh, I'd be curious to hear your answer on that. Uh, I love the show. That was a great show on backups, and uh, that was that was super cool. So keep up the good work. Thanks a lot for listening to my comment. Have a great day.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Okay, so uh, as far as that thing about ChronoSync creating the archive folder, that's brilliant. Uh, I had I have uh, since learned that Carbon Copy Cloner will also do the same thing if you if you set it up to so uh, so that can that can be done with with either one of those, which is great. Uh, now as far as the archives great question yeah if if, of course the you're right you don't want to leave a hard drive unpowered sitting on a shelf for more than a couple of months at a time you do want to spin it up you do want to access it read something from it potentially write something to it um for my archives and and we'll we'll talk about well I'll, i'll 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 Answer the next question, uh, which we haven't asked right now. Uh, Rob asked us, you know, what do you mean by archiving? And and to me, an archive is a clone, but it is one that I am never going to modify again. So uh, and I think Kevin uh, Kevin hooked on to that, that it's something that we're just going to freeze in time and then and then just sort of leave there. And if we ever need it, we can come back. Now, for me, those archives are disk images stored on my big uh NAS drive. Right. So that's being accessed constantly. That's that's my Drobo in, in most cases. So so that's not just sitting there. But yeah, if you're if you're archiving off to a hard disk and then turning it off, turn it on every now and then. Connect it up to your machine and and uh you know you want to do that once a quarter I would say is probably safe. You could probably yeah. probably get away with once every six months, but I wouldn't I wouldn't push that. Yeah. Okay. Thoughts on that, John?
0: No. I like that Kevin said uh, it was a super cool episode. That, that's my thought. Okay. Right? <laughs> All right. That's good. No, my thoughts. No, I'm with you is that uh, the, uh, there's been a lot of research and leaving any sort of media in a stagnant or fixed state, like in the same position or not powered up. is probably a bad thing. So, yeah, hard drives. Or, well, any media, as as we talked about, Dave, any media will eventually die. But exercising it is always a good thing. So yeah, any backup drive that you have in your backup strategy, you may want to power up for whatever reason.
1: Well, and there is that whole thing about uh, the the Earth's gravitational pull negatively impacting. No, no, no. We talked about this. Dude, we talked about this like three or four years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and cosmic rays, huh? No, no, no. No, if you leave a hard drive. I'm being serious in what I said, but, but go ahead.
1: No if you leave a hard drive unpowered and not spinning, uh what will happen is the uh, gravitational pull of the earth will actually start to change some of the bits on that drive over time. Now it will take you know a minimum of six months for that to begin to happen, and that's why I say you want to spin that thing up. Yeah, this is a known deal, man. I'm surprised you don't remember this we had a we had a a length discussion, oh okay, all right. Yeah, no, it's that's a very real thing. That's that's not tinfoil hat stuff. I like the tinfoil hat stuff, but unfortunately, that's not that's not OK.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But You know what I mentioned, though, though, you may chuckle at what I said. But no, there is actually a paper I found here. How cosmic rays cause computer downtime. I'm not kidding, Dave. I oh, I, I believe it. Sure. Well, no, it's it's radiation. And, right. you know, we've seen this as as of late, I think, uh, actually, about a month ago, there was a big scare because there was a big burst of uh, uh, sunspots or or, uh, solar radiation that uh, tend to sometimes interfere with satellite and other communication. Yeah. No, I mean, some people again, chuckle, but, but radiation from various sources can affect physical media, including hard drives and all this. So, so I think it, it, it it reinforces the point that you brought up is, yeah, you want to exercise whatever media you're using, whether it be a cloud or a hard drive or a flash drive, and just give it a little workout. (laughs) Yeah. So it doesn't get lazy and <laughs> and die. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Where are we? Oh uh, goodness. Look at the time. You it's know, time. It just, well, it, it's time to talk. It, uh, we'll, we'll finish the backups thing uh, because we do have one last sure. comment. Uh, Ralph, wrote in and uh and for those of you that listen to mac power users with with uh, david sparks and katie floyd you may have heard this story but for those of you that haven't uh, we wanted to share it here as well uh, Ralph says, uh, being a keen believer in belt and suspenders t- approach to backups, I listened to your latest review of backup strategies with interest. While the importance of backing up the contents of a computer has not diminished, the tools available to achieving a seamless recovery from a total failure have increased substantially. And with that, here's here's Ralph's uh, short little story about what I see is kind of the, the future of, of backups. And, and, and he's got a couple of interesting points. He says well, on vacation earlier this year. My MacBook Pro started to struggle. The Apple Store fix included a nuke and pave of the hard drive, reinstalling the operating system, Lion, and a replacement of the motherboard. So I got a clean sheet, and my external hard drive backup at home was 3,000 miles away. What to do? Number one, I signed into my iTunes account and reinstalled all the software I had purchased from the Mac App Store, including 1Password. I then installed Dropbox and synced 1Password, thereby getting access to all the registration codes I'd stored within the software section of 1Password for all the third-party software I'd purchased. I also recovered and restored my user files backed up on the Dropbox. I then downloaded and reinstalled, re-registered all my third-party software. I then accessed my iCloud account and reinstalled my mail settings, address book, bookmarks, and calendar. I now have 99% of my app software installed and operating. All this took a matter of hours rather than days, as has been my experience doing nuke and paves on my PCs in years gone by. All this was achieved without the benefit of the usual backup tools, time machine, bootable clones, etc. None of this could have been achieved without access to the Internet, of course, and my cloud-based backup tools, iCloud and Dropbox, as well as an orderly record of software licenses, which he stores in 1Password. Restoring big files, media files, uh, and photos had to wait until he got home. He doesn't subscribe to iTunes Match. He says, I continue to maintain my backup workflow that includes backing up to external hard drives using Time Machine, Carbon Copy Cloner, etc. However, I was was surprised at the extent to which I was able to recover without these tools. And and again, this speaks to that, you know, multi-tiered strategy. And, uh, you know, of course, he could use something like Dolly Drive or, or whatever to do remote backups and remote restores. But, you know, as he said, in a matter of hours, he was able to get himself back up and working with the files that mattered and that's the key. So, so not only doing your backups, you know, we talked about making sure you know how to restore, but think about how you would restore because as, as Ralph found, you know, his, it probably, he had not thought through this particular strategy because he thought he never, he probably never thought he would have to, but as it turned out, he had his stuff pretty much available to him no matter where he was. And that's, um, that's a cool thing. That's, that's what we like to hear. So, thanks, Ralph. Thanks for uh, for sharing that, and thanks everybody for commenting and sending in your tips and all of that good stuff. And I guess uh, I guess we're back in a back in a week. Is that right, John? A week. You're right. Three ninety two is uh, Monday the uh, not the ninth, so it would be Monday the sixteenth. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. All right, John, uh, so we certainly appreciated all the questions and tips, uh, but now we need to make sure everybody knows how to talk to us. Do you want to start that off, John?
0: I prefer English. I do know a little Spanish. I'm not sure about your foreign language acumen there, Dave.
1: I, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. My, my Spanish isn't bad, but uh, my English is better.
0: We be in. So... <laughs> But I would say the first way that you could reach either of us and English is our preferred language that we can try to entertain others because we have translators. I like that's Babelfish. True. Babelfish is fun. Um, but you probably want to send an email and that, that's probably the most universal way of communicating with us and probably the least expensive. And you want to send an email to feedback at MacGab.com. John, I believe you said feedback at MacGab.com. And brother, your hearing is impeccable because I certainly did say feedback at MacGab.com. It's
1: outstanding. Uh, you want me to tell them about how to call us, don't you? 206 geek is the number you can call. And John, geek is
0: 433 plus five. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's go with that. That's good. <laughs> To think of different ways to mangle that. Four, three, three, five. Or Definitely. geek. I like geek. I mean, oh, we were so lucky to get that number. Yeah, it's good stuff. Because I'm a geek, you're a geek. We're all geeks. Or up and coming cool. geeks. Or aspiring geeks.
1: It's all about learning how to be a better geek. That's uh, you know, that's kind of how it works. We've all got computers, we've all got networks, we've all got backups we've got to manage. So we've got to, you know, at some level. And what else do we
0: have? Well, we have this other thing, and you know, there's a bit of controversy here, Dave. I'm going to introduce it. So another way you can reach us, Dave, is that you know we open up this little Facebook page a yeah. while ago, and if you want to reach us on Facebook where you can see, well, we have some chatter. We have some interaction with uh, our our beloved user base, facebook.com slash MacGeekab. Now, the only thing I'm going to have here is everybody's all upset that Facebook acquired Instagram. What is up with that? I don't get it, man. I love Instagram. I don't know if I love Facebook, but Facebook is certainly a viable platform. I, I don't understand why people are all upset about it, but we'll see. So, facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. You will see when we post the show. You will see when we post the show notes. And you can interact with us on our Facebook page. But what, what else, Dave? There must be more. Uh, there is more. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash MacGeekGab for the show.
1: Twitter.com slash John F. Braun for him. Twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton for me. That's
0: Twitter. What else do we have? Wait, what else? There, there must be oh. more Twitter. Oh, and the band... Oh, did they go on strike? They did. They're back, though. (laughs) The band's not on Twitter. Good contract (laughs) negotiation. What else on Twitter? Oh, we got Pilot Pete, and we have Mac Observer, too. Ah, there we go. Okay, great. Um... The phone number.
1: (laughs) We'd like to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast. He converts this show to AAC for you. Uh, You can check out his podcast, though, at wehavecommunicators.com, all about the iPhone and iPad and apps. He's always got uh, great guests. Adam Christensen and Jeff Gamet are uh, pretty much staples on that show with him. So definitely something you want to hear. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to thank Cashfly, uh, cachefl com, for the bandwidth. They're a distributed uh, content delivery network, and they do a great job at getting the show from us to you. And, of course, we'd like Brilliant. to thank our sponsors in the podcast marketplace with uh, BB Edit from Bare Bones, as you know, Text Expander from Smile, and, uh, and Gazelle at Gazelle.com. All right, folks. That's uh, that's I think
0: gonna do it for this show. Think so? I think so. There must be something we forgot. Now, hmm. iTunes comments always welcome. There you go. I've seen some. Thank you so much.
1: great afternoon, a great morning, whatever it is you've got going on, and make sure you have fun, and don't, don't, I got caught, John, don't get caught, don't do what I just did.
0: Made